emotional and mental pain has a stigma. A stigma that we are trying to break. This can only be done if we all create a conversation. We all stand up, we all speak out, and most importantly, we are all there for each other. Have a chat, guys. Don't wait. I'm your host, Lachlan Island, and this is the Running From The Shadow podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Ellie Salthouse, professional triathlete slash iron lady, woman, uh, <laughs> grew up in uh, Brisbane, um, just south of Brisbane, in uh, Maya, actually, in Karina, was it, Ellie? Uh, actually, in uh, Carindale. Carindale, and then now living in Boulder, Boulder, between Boulder and uh, Brisbane still? Yep. And uh, yeah. before turning professional at 17, racing the ITU circuit uh, between Europe and uh, Australia um, and a quick break in 2013. But now she's mm-hmm. currently in Nice uh, embarking on her latest journey with 70.3 World Champions next weekend. Uh, how's it all going, Ellie? Yeah, it's going really well over here. Um, we came into Nice about six weeks ahead of the race just so we could suss out the course and uh, and train on it for the past six weeks. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm quite acquainted with the uh, the race course here and the, the weather's really beautiful. It's going to be perfect conditions on race day. So, yeah, everything's going really well. I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'm happy. So I think those are the key ingredients to a successful day. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. Yeah, and that's I think that's the big thing, uh, obviously being professional and, and travelling quite a bit with races is having that stable stable sort of base leading into a race, is it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you try and target probably two races, um, in one in the first half and one in the second half of the year. And then uh, outside of that, you really want to get a, at least some good six to eight week uh, training blocks in. Um, I know I always, from mental mentally, it makes me feel better having a good base and a good block just to know that I've got some consistent training done. Um, but then other people like to race uh, race to fitness. So, uh, yeah, I think it depends on the, the person. But for me, I like to get a good few months of training before I go out to race just so I know I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, definitely. And where did, where did it all begin? When did your, like your triathlon career um, sort of take off? Uh, yeah, I began when I was 11 and um, just the local Weepix kids try in, in Brizzy. Um, and then I actually enjoyed it so much. My mum found me a, a local junior coach. So I started with him a week later um, and I started racing basically just the local races and then progressed up to the ITU junior level and then and then turned professional on the ITU circuit at 17. Um, I raced the Youth Olympics Olympic Games at 17, which was my first international competition. I uh, placed second there. And then, um, yeah, I guess I just raced the ITU circuit. I didn't have as much success uh, as I would have liked. I was injured a lot and just not really that happy. Um, and so I, I left the sport in 2013 uh, and then – took a little break and then came back with my current coach, Siri Lindley. 
Um, and I still raced ITU for three years under her guidance and then kind of got to another crossroads where I wasn't really enjoying the sport anymore and uh, wasn't making any money. I didn't really know what to do, whether I should go to go back to uni or whether I should look at getting another job or something like that. And she suggested I just try uh, a, uh, a half and see how it went. And I won. So it went pretty well. And then, um, yeah, she said, let's give it a year, kind of like a probationary year and see how things go. And if I really enjoy it and I get the love back for the sport, then that's that's great. If not, then I can go elsewhere. So that was probably, what, four years ago now. So here I am. And he was lining up for world champs in a week's time. Exactly. So, and... So when you turned pro at 17, you still would have been year 12 at school, roughly? Yep, yeah, I was still in year 12. I, uh, I I didn't really, it wasn't really back then kind of a case of turning pro, I guess. It was more for insurance purposes because I raced internationally at the Youth Olympics. Taking out a professional license in Australia, uh, it, it also gives you um, insurance coverage. Uh, so that was mainly the reason that I took the pro license out. But I didn't really start racing professionally until probably the year I finished, uh, a year after I finished school. So more the year I turned 18. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. A lot of stress, especially in those uh, last few years of school as well, to go yeah. and trying to uh, compete on a national stage yeah. or international stage. And then, so you, you spoke about your burn, burning out a little bit in 2013. Mm-hmm. Do you just feel that was more um, came along because of overtraining or was there other things that sort of contributed to that? Yeah, I think it was more a case of just uh, not having the successes that I wanted and then it, consequently I wasn't really enjoying myself anymore and I think there's no point pursuing something that doesn't make you happy. Um, so for me that was a big part of it. I was miserable. I didn't want to train. I didn't want to race. I was unhappy living overseas and I think that was kind of when I knew that it was time to, to go elsewhere and I needed a chance to miss the sport if I was going to have a long career in it. Um, I knew that I didn't, I wasn't ready to fully let it go, but at that point I didn't really feel like there was any other option other than to take a break and and pursue something else. And then if I missed it, I would go back. Um, and, and if not, then I would I would go elsewhere. But, yeah, I think... I think for me, it wasn't really a case of overtraining. It was just a case of being unhappy. <laughs> and, and looking back now, do you do you think that that was a bit of a big turning point taking that that time off from the sport? Then, yeah. To be honest, I think it was probably the best decision I've ever made as far as my career goes. Um, I missed the sport in that time, and it really got my love back for the sport. Um, it introduced me to Siri Lindley, which is who's my cu- current coach. Um, and so if I hadn't have, hadn't taken that leap, I, I probably wouldn't have met Siri, I wouldn't have joined Siri, and I'd probably still be in some sort of vicious cycle of unhappiness. So, yeah, for me, I think that's probably a blessing in disguise and I think um, a huge contribution to the successes I've now had in the sport. Which, uh, is it five or six 70.3 uh, wins now? Um, six 70.3s and three challenge half wins. 
So, so definitely, uh, success is success is flowing now. You could say. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got a little bit of momentum going. Definitely, it doesn't come easy, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got a few under the belt, and uh, now I know how to do it, and I'm getting the the handle on things. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a few more in there. So, how did you find the right balance? So obviously, balance is a big thing, especially for professional athletes with family and sport and sport and also your social life with your friends yeah I think you just got to prioritize um you've got to think about what means the most to you and um and and then yeah prioritize um depending on that and for me uh training and racing and and being a professional athlete comes first um so as long and I'm I'm really lucky I have family and friends around me that really that what my goals are that that know how committed I am to the sport and so they understand when I can't make a commitment or or I can't you know see them or I have to go to bed early or or I can't do the things that I guess typical 20 year olds can do um but yeah I think you know winning a world championship means more than anything else in this world to me so uh, yeah until I reach that goal uh, which could be next weekend. Um, yeah, I think I think it's got to be my priority, and everything I do has to be on that on the path to reaching that goal. Yeah, definitely, and it's got to be uh, extremely helpful having a having a partner like Andreas, um, who also competes in the sport, um, to understand mm-hmm. the emotions you're going through throughout training. Yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly lucky to have Andres. He's uh, he's been here the last six weeks in Nice with me, and he's been doing every session with me and been by my side through everything. So uh, yeah, he's making sure I'm going to be on that start line in the best possible shape. So it's it's a team team effort. Um, come race day next weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's super understanding. Obviously, he races as well, so he understands uh, what I'm going through, or how I might be feeling, or you know, the the training, or why why we're doing something. And and uh, he's happy to just sit and watch Netflix with me when I'm tired or whatever. He's uh, he doesn't mind if we don't go out or you know socialize. So yeah, it's really great to have someone who's in the same position as I am. Is there also a bit of friendly competitiveness there between the two of you? <laughs> Oh, for sure. Everything's a competition. <laughs> more so from my end than his. Um, I think I'm a little more naturally competitive in other areas. I mean, he's competitive on race day and in training, but for me, it's everything. It's more, it's like who can make the smoothie the fastest, who can get to the bathroom the fastest. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's healthy. <laughs> There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with a bit of friendly banter, nonstop. That's exactly right. <laughs> and and also being in that competitive nature, it sort of keeps that fire burning for longer as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always been a competitive person. So if I didn't have an outlet for that, uh, it would probably be a bit of a disaster. So uh, I'm lucky I get to unleash on race day and, and then I can uh, – hold it back a little bit when I'm not racing <laughs> yeah and what about aside from tries um mm-hmm. just the time away when you are feeling mentally fatigued from racing um how do you what what are your methods for coping with that um yeah I mean everybody gets into a bit of a rut sometimes um so I like to try and put my energy into other things if I'm if I'm really feeling not motivated or or you know um, having a little bit of downtime from triathlon, I, I usually take two breaks throughout the year. So sometimes, um, yeah, during that time, I'll, I'll 
put my head down. I'm at uni still, so I uh, I put some a lot more focus into that. Um, or you know, socializing, doing the things I love that that I wouldn't normally get to do while I'm in full training. Um, and it really makes the love come back for the sport because you miss it by doing other things. So uh, I like to spend time with friends, you know, go to the beach, all those kind of things, um, go to see a movie, you know, just, just little things like that. Um, they wouldn't normally get the chance to do. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, Siri is, is probably the most motivating, inspirational person I've ever met. So if, if I'm in a heavy training block and I need some extra motivation or I'm, you know, feeling tired or, you know, just, just a bit down, I'll call her and, and she can always, you know, get the best out of me and tell me exactly what I need to hear and get me back out there. And, and having that right coach balance and, and the coach understands you and what you've been through in the past is, is vitally important, even for my level of competing and probably more important at your level. Yeah, for sure. I think that's it's the best thing about Siri is that she's so motivating because she's been in our shoes before. She's She's been on the start lines. She's raced the world championships. She's done all the things that we're doing. She's been there. She's been through it all. So you know that what she's telling you is not just, you know, she's not just blowing hot, hot air, but she's she's actually speaking from experience. And I think that that means a lot more than, than someone who hadn't who hasn't done what, what you're going through. Yeah, and, and you see so many kids, I, I see I see it here uh, in, quite regularly in training six, seven days a week and they're 12, 13 years old and you've got to look and go, where's the, where's the enjoyment coming out of that for them at the same time? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, that was me and uh, I always, I say now I look back on that and I say I wish that I started committing to the sport a little bit later. I was the 11-year-old that was at training seven days a week, multiple hours a day, and I loved it at the time. Don't get me wrong. My my parents never pushed me to do anything. It was all from me. But now looking back on it, I, I kind of think, like, I wish I did continued with all the other sports that I forgave to do triathlon and, and I continued with more of a social life and did those things uh, while I was younger and um, and then committed to triathlon maybe, you know, a little bit later just so I had those those years to grow and, you know, make friends and do all those things that, that kids are supposed to do. And, and it's I think that's where, uh, from, from a mental perspective, you develop a lot of your, your mental traits as a 12, 13, 14-year-old when you're very impressionable. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I'm I'm very mentally tough when it comes to, you know, triathlon and sport and pushing myself and, and you know, standing up for myself and taking, you know, not letting people walk all over me. I think you learn that at a young age when you're in a sport like this where it's quite individual and you can't take uh, any crap from anybody, to be honest. <laughs> and even when you're out on course, what, what are some of the thoughts that go through your head in those the, the toughest stage of those race, races? Um, the biggest thing for me is remembering my why. So why I'm here, what? Uh, why why I'm doing this um, and I think I keep reminding myself of that like uh, the thing that drives me I, I use one big goal and one big motivator um, 
through my hard sessions and that's obviously being a world champion. So for me, um, you know, that's, that's why I do this. So whenever I get into a dark place in training or on race day, I just remember why I started and why I'm doing this. And, um, you know, it gets me through. It's really powerful knowing, knowing your why. And if, if you don't mind me asking, what, what is mm-hmm. your why? My why is to be a world champion. <laughs> I mean, that's it for me. It's been world champion is why I do what I do. It's why, it's why I get up in the morning. It's why I train hard. It's why I push myself that little bit extra. I mean, that for me, it's, yeah, it's, that's the ultimate goal and everything I do aligns with that. Yeah, perfect. And and what about like in those obviously remembering your why and everything mm-hmm. and in those 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 hard training sessions, obviously you've got Andreas over there and Boulder with you. Do you ever get mm-hmm. those times where you do miss miss coming being home here in Australia? Yeah, for sure. I get homesick, you know, a, a few times while I'm away. Um, I miss my family. I miss my puppies. I miss <laughs> I miss just the the you know, creature comforts of being home and, and, and my friends and those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I know why I'm over there and, and I love Boulder. I love the people I have Andreas. I have a, an American family that, that I live with. And, you know, I have a lot of friends over there, mostly in triathlon and my training partner, Siri is, uh, and, 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 you know, a lot of friends over there. So it's great, and I can always um, surround myself with them whenever I get homesick. But, yeah, I mean, of course, I miss home. I miss I miss Australia, and, uh, uh, yeah, I love going back every year. Yeah, and so what about what from a perspective of, uh, I guess, someone that's looking, looking in from the outside to someone that you feel – could be struggling a little bit mentally or with burnout or anything. Do you, do you have any tips that you suggest um, for those people who approach this, the subject? Obviously, it's a very hard topic to approach with someone if you think they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would suggest um, sitting down with them if, if you notice that, that they're struggling with motivation or they're complaining a lot. That's probably the first big thing is that um, – for someone who's who's lacking a bit of motivation or struggling mentally is probably they start complaining about sessions or getting up early or whatever, you know. Um, so I think, you know, I would just say to them, like, look, hey, I've noticed uh, you've, your attitude hasn't been as, as great as it normally is. Um, you know, is there any reason for this? Is it something outside of the sport? Is it, is, are you, you know, struggling to find motivation? And whatever it might be, I would always suggest – you know, to have a goal, whether that be a week from now or a month from now, but keep it quite soon, just little goals along the way to, to you know, help motivate you and keep you working. And, and it could be outside triathlon, in, inside triathlon, whatever it might be. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I would suggest to them to just, as I said before, like find their why, like why they're doing this. And if they can't find a why, then it's, it's a problem because, you know, like – it's not a whole lot of point in doing something if you don't know why you're doing it. Um, so I think, yeah, that's for me is a big one. Whenever someone has asked me like what I do when I struggle with motivation, I, you know, write it down, write down why you started and, and why you do it. And, you know, all the people around you who support you. And then you can see like that this is something that you love and, and it's, it's a goal of yours for a reason. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably my biggest piece of advice. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and probably the, the one question I probably I didn't give you a heads up I was going to ask, but mm. out of all of your racing and training, what what would be your biggest fear? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think my biggest fear would be not giving everything. <laughs> um, my biggest fear would be getting to that finish line knowing that I had more. I think that's what I would be most scared of. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not scared to fail. I'm not scared of trying. I'm, not, I'm yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm probably the most scared of getting to the finish line and having more to give. And obviously you see, you see it all the time with, uh, in, in Ironman races, the, mm. the difference between a professional's all is them collapsing at the finish line mm-hmm. versus an age grouper that's just trying to finish they've given their all but it's Mm -hmm. sort of it's not quite that same level to get to there um how do you push through those pain barriers um it's difficult um i mean you go through stages throughout a race where you have moments where you feel great and moments when you don't feel so good um so i think in those dark moments you've just really got to you've got to have a cue so for me I just go to technique cues and I go into you know quick feet little feet on the run or you know bike cue maybe like uh, pull push down pull up push down something like that just little things to to take your mind off the hurt because once you get one negative thought it's almost like a snowball effect um so I think I think, as I said again, like you've got to you've got to have a goal. You've got to know why you're doing what you're doing, and and as long as you can have that, uh, you can dig as deep as you think you can, uh, even deeper than you think you can, because you always have more in you than than you think you do. Um, and I think once you realise that, you can reach all new levels of hurt that you never knew existed. Um, but yeah, for me, I always look at it as it's, it's my body's response to pain. If I'm in pain, obviously your body wants to stop. It wants to, you know, curl up in a ball and sleep for a week. I, I don't know, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I'm hurting, probably everybody's hurting more than me because I've done the work, you know. So that's the way I look at it. I'm like, well, it's just my body's response to this pain. So I'm just going to keep pushing because I know I have more. It's just a response to mechanism from my body. So yeah, I mean, that's for me how I dig deep in the tough moments. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be great to see you dig deep in a week and a half's time uh, in the world champs and, and hopefully yep. get that, get that why, get that goal of becoming the, the world champ. Yep, that's the plan. Thanks, thanks, Heath Ellie, for taking time to catch up with me today. Oh, uh, I'm going to let you go. Uh, no worries. But, uh, good luck with the rest of your training, and I look forward to seeing your results. Yeah, thanks so much, and thank you for having me. And that's it for another episode of the Running From The Shadow podcast, proudly brought to you by Fractal Running, locally owned and operated by two runners on the Sunshine Coast. And a quick update on another one of our former guests on the show, Jake Mowby, who has 
got one marathon left to run in his 31 marathons in 31 days and an amazing $15,000 raised for living.org.